All right, here we go. The Doing Better Podcast, episode 15. Here's the tease. Now, there's, a, there's an implication. If Jesus became the rightful legal king of earth in his death and resurrection, no place can have two kings. Congratulations. Through the powerful providence of a benevolent benefactor, you've stumbled onto this delicious digital bouillabaisse. Hosted by yours truly, hipster grandfather, David A. Holland. Here, we explore the too-good-to-be-true, poorly understood, badly neglected realities of what Jesus actually launched 2,000 years ago. A new covenant. A better covenant based on better promises. So... Check your religion at the door, grab a beverage, grab a Bible, strap in, gird your loins. This is the New and Better Podcast. About a year ago, a good friend of mine, that we have a lot of God talks, uh, came to me and had a question about the, the, the rights and the power of the enemy, of the devil. And, he, and, you know, he just stopped by my office, stuck his head in the door with a quick question. And then about 45 minutes later, mm-hmm. uh, I had I'd sort of, uh, you know, unrolled for him what I thought about that. You know, there should be a disclaimer about everything I, uh, I'm teaching is that I just uh, I teach it with humility because I've changed my mind about so many things over the years. I've changed my mind about the Holy Spirit. I've changed my mind about end time stuff. I've changed my mind about a lot of things. So I tend to hold it all with an open hand and with a heart of humility, hopefully. But we've been, we've been in the last two weeks, we've been in the King, Jesus, the King and his kingdom. And particularly last week, uh, we saw this principle. That's this thread that's woven through scripture that in terms of Jesus on his throne and sitting on his throne, ruling until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. He, we, we see that promise in Psalm 110. It was a prophetic promise. It's a messianic promise where the Lord says to my Lord uh, in this promise, or Yahweh says to my Adonai, sit here at my right hand until your enemies are made a footstool for your feet. And then the next part of the verse says, rule here in the midst of your enemies. There's, a, there's an assumption I think we've all had often about the kingdom of God and the, and the rule of the rule of Jesus is that once the rule of Jesus begins, his enemies are done. That there are that he, that he won't have any enemies when he's ruling. But there's an implication in that rule here in the midst of your enemies, and that that rule basically grows. Uh, we saw that of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. There's this progressive nature to it, and that there is this progressive subduing of his enemies. We're going to see this theme of of enemies and the enemy uh, continuing tonight of his enemies being made a footstool for his feet. That was the messianic promise in Psalm 110. And then we went on to see in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said, speaking of Jesus and the high priestly ministry that he ministered with his own blood in the Holy of Holies. uh, It's, it says the Lord, this verse is quoted. Uh, sit here at my right hand until your enemies are made a footstool for your feet. Basically, it says Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father and remains there until his enemies are made a footstool 
for his feet, referencing that messianic psalm. And then we also saw Paul references it once again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 28, in talking about the resurrection of the believers. Uh, he says again that the last enemy to be defeated will be death, implying that other enemies are progressively defeated. Jesus is ruling in the midst of his enemies. Those enemies are progressively subdued until there's only one unsubdued enemy left. That's death itself. And then at the resurrection, death is the final one to be subdued. And then it says, Paul says in Hebrews, or I mean in 1 Corinthians 15, at that point, Jesus turns the keys of the kingdom over to the Father because the the kingdom uh, the kingdom dominion, the kingdom subduing of his enemies are complete. So that's where we are last week. Now, there's, a, there's an implication. If Jesus became the rightful legal king of earth uh, in his death and resurrection, no place can have two kings. We've all heard on numerous occasions, I, I assume, I know I have for throughout my own Christian life, Satan is the god of this world. Have you ever heard that? He's the ruler of this world. And so in what sense is he uh, the enemy, the ruler of this world today, now, post the cross, post uh, the resurrection? We're going to swim around in the word uh, tonight. We're going to look at a lot of Bible. For those of you, uh, exactly, for those of you listening to this type, I'm doing a backstroke motion uh, because we're going to be swimming in the Bible. Okay, I need a new few faithful Bible readers. I need a Matthew 12, 28 reader. Josh has got Matthew 12, 28. I need a John 12, 31. Jonathan's got that. I need a John 14, 30. Brittany's got that. I need a John 16, 11. Tracy's got that. We'll still start there. For now, I've got some more scriptures we're going to be jumping into in just a moment. I'm sorry, did I, t- did I say, oh, I said Matthew was the first one. Uh, before we look at any of those, I want us all to turn to 1 John 3, 8. 1 John chapter 3, John reveals the purpose of, of the coming of Christ, the coming of the Son of God. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Or, as some translations, for this purpose, Christ was revealed. Every time I read that verse in that translation, I always, the song comes to mind. Remember the old song? For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy all the works of the evil one. The word works there in that passage is the the Greek word ergon which means handiwork, means output, the, 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 the product or the produce uh, of the devil. The purpose for the Son of God's appearing was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, uh, Matthew twelve twenty eight, Josh. <clears throat> but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here's the proposition that I want us to consider in the light of the word today that the, the legal rights and the legal authority of the enemy changed not only in the death and resurrection of Jesus, but began to shift. There began to be a shift in the 
in the legal framework under which earth is, is operating, earth is run, in the ministry and the life and ministry of Jesus. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That there is this, there's this relationship, there's this connection between the subjection of demonic powers, dark spirits, dark principalities, that there is a linkage between the coming of the kingdom, the expressing of the kingdom, and the, um, the authority of, the casting out of, uh, the subduing of demonic powers. Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. We've all heard that Satan is the ruler of this world. Uh, and on three different occasions, Jesus, no one, no person less authoritative than Jesus himself, said it. Said on three occasions, the ruler of this world. Uh, Paul uh, called him the God of this age. That sounds like authority. That sounds like power. And so most of us have lived most of our Christian life and most of the, the body of Christ lives in an understanding or a paradigm that while God is fully in charge in heaven, most of this earth is being run by and run roughshod over by the devil. That this is his, this is still his turf. This is still his domain. Uh, Jesus is ruling in heaven, but we're basically in, in it, living as believers. We're living in enemy territory. We've basically we're spies in somebody else's land, and that certainly uh, is suggested by uh, these the, the the type of wording. Who had John twelve thirty one? The time for judging this world has come, and Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. One translation says, now judgment, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is basically in John 12. He's, he's moving out of his prophetic ministry and he's moving into his priestly ministry. He's making that shift. He's turning his face toward Jerusalem. He's turning his face toward the cross. He's heading for that. He's beginning to tell his disciples that he must go. He must die. Uh, he must be uh, um, crucified and raised on the third day. So this is what's on his mind. And as he's heading for Jerusalem, as he's heading for that appointment, he says, now judgment is upon this world. Judgment uh, suggests a courtroom. Remember when we saw Daniel's vision of, of basically thrones being set up in heaven and uh, court being in session. Um, this is the, this judgment upon the world implies there's a ruling about to take place. There's a court. A court has been assembled. A judge has been seated and a ruling is about to take place. Now is judgment upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Let's hold that thought for a minute and jump to John 14, 30. Jesus is going to use this phrase again. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches, but he has no power over me. The ruler of this world approaches. The ruler of this world is coming, and he has no power over me. He has nothing in me. And then John sixteen eleven. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So here in John 12, in John 14, and John 16, 
Basically, Jesus is in these discourses where he's giving his last instructions, his last teachings to, to his disciples. And once again, he mentions the ruler of this world in relationship to judgment. He says, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has, past tense, been judged. Something is taking place. There's, there's this court, the, there's this ruling that's taking place, and a judgment has been handed down. The uh, Greek language that Jesus used in each one of these instances, where he says the ruler of this world, uh, is uh, the, the, the Greek word translated ruler is archon, or archon, A-R-C-H-O-N. And it means a magistrate, an official, uh, a administrator. Uh, it implies bureaucratic, governmental, managerial responsibility. So a person who's an archon, it's where we get the, the same root of our word archbishop. Uh, it's somebody who has been appointed and has rightful, granted, administrative responsibility. He says the archon of this cosmos, the word translated uh, world, in each one of those three instances where Jesus says the ruler of this world, is the Greek word cosmos which can have a variety of meanings and does have a variety of meanings in Greek in general and the way it's used in the New Testament. But more often than not, it just means the world. It literally does. World, the planet, is the, the best. It could mean the entire created universe. But uh, more often, especially if the context suggests it, uh, we're talking about the planet. Hey, beloved, I've got uh, more good stuff up ahead for you. But first, a word from my sponsor, me. We call it page two. Hey, if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, may I ask you to exercise your God-given free will and hit that subscribe button. It's the right choice, I assure you. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, however, jump over to YouTube and uh, search David A. Holland, that's at David A. Holland, and subscribe. There you'll not only be able to hear the soothing tones of my voice, but also take in the soothing, perfect roundness of my head on certain videos. Now, back to the scathingly brilliant insights I was sharing about today's topic. So basically what Jesus has said on three different occasions is the person with administrative, bureaucratic, administrative rights and authority on, in, on this planet is about to be cast out. Now is the time for him to be cast out. Out of what? Out of office. He's, he's been an office holder. He's been a legal, rightful office holder. And he is now, Jesus said, is he cast out. Judgment is upon this cosmos. And then later on, in John 16, 11, he, we saw, he says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world, the archon of this cosmos, has been, past tense, judged. Now, the other phrase that we frequently hear that connotes and suggests and has given us all mostly the impression that the, that the enemy is still uh, authoritatively and powerfully running things on this planet uh, is Paul's reference. It's in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, where Paul says, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to make a note of it. He says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of certain people. Now, Jesus is heading toward the cross 
when he calls the enemy the ruler of this world. Paul is clearly on the other side of the cross. He's got that Pauline revelation, so his words carry a lot of, a lot of weight. If Paul says on that side of the cross, after three years basically getting a download from Jesus personally about the New, New Covenant theology in the Arabian desert, if Paul says that Satan's still in charge of this world, well, that's, that means something. That's significant. But what Paul, the, the, the words Paul uses there in Greek are theos and eon or aeon. The God of this age, the theos of this eon or aeon uh, has blinded the minds of certain people. That word theos is the word any time a Greek person, any Greek person would use for, for meaning a, a god, meaning an idol, an object of worship. Uh, when Paul's talking about false gods, people worshiping false gods and idolatry, he uses the word theos. And when he uses capital G God, he uses the word theos. So in Paul's, Paul's use of the word theos means essentially the object of the wor- the object of worship, the the, the individual that is receiving worship from people in the world. And then the word eon simply means a period of time or an era. So what Paul is saying is the one who is the object of worship in the, in the, in the lost fallen world in this particular period of time, that, has, that is how he's describing Satan. There is nothing in Paul's language that connotes or suggests legal authority or legal rights. So, the only other thing that I, I need us to see before we dive more deeply into Paul's revelation about uh, the, the, the rights, uh, prerogatives, and authority of the enemy of Satan in this present age is the fact that in the New Testament, we frequently see the word heaven, heavens, heavenly places, and the heavenlies used frequently. Uh, talks about God in heaven. We have been seated with Christ in heavenly places, uh, in the heavens, and uh, in the heavenlies. All through the New Testament, these terms are used. We tend to use the word heaven in a very digital way, on earth as it is in heaven. We, we, think, we think of heaven as being the place where God's throne is, it's the place where all our loved ones go when they die. I've got the news today that one of the finest men I've ever known uh, went to heaven yesterday. He's 96 years old. Uh, just uh, an incredibly amazing uh, Christian man. But, you know, his service will be this weekend, and we'll talk about him in being in heaven. And in heaven, by that we mean he's in the presence of God. He's He's... Seeing the face of Jesus, and that's absolutely true, and that is a heaven. That is a type of heaven. But the New Testament is has more than one heaven that it talks about, and we're going to see that uh, in just a moment. Jesus uses this word in Luke chapter ten. In Luke chapter ten, Jesus sends out the seventy-two disciples, basically invests them or induces them with authority. And then they come back and they're very, very excited. He gives them lots of instructions about what to do when they go out. But then when they come back, we see that in verse uh, 17. 
When the seventy-two disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even demons obey us when we use your name. Even demons obey us when they use your name. They were just totally excited about that. And Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. The snakes and scorpions are, t- are types, biblical types of demonic powers. But in case we're, we're concerned or in case we're confused or, or uncertain that Jesus is really referring to do- demonic spirits here, he says, and over all the power of the enemy to eliminate any doubt in our mind that he's not talking about crustaceans, uh, arthropods, and reptiles. Uh, he's talking about uh, demonic spirits. He said, they come back. Now, now, now picture this. We, we, and we've already seen that the, at least there's, there's the suggestion that this legal shift of uh, authority, of the enemy's authority, has already begun to take place. I think it's a given. And, we, and those of you who have been through these teachings that go all the way back to Jesus the prophet uh, understand that basically God had given dominion authority to planet Earth to man. Man had defaulted, surrendered that authority to the enemy, and that from that point forward, uh, basically, this th- there had been this forfeit of of dominion authority over planet Earth that man had uh, man had surrendered, and part of God's redemptive plan was to get it back, to restore what had been lost, to restore what had been forfeited by Adam. Uh, and have that restored through the second Adam, the last Adam. But that le- that legal that legality of the enemy's rule, that 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 legal sanction of Satan's movement and action on planet Earth, I'm suggesting is already being is already shifting this side of the cross. So get this picture: Jesus basically gathers seventy two of his followers around him. And says, here's my authority. Take my name. So go out there two by two with my name and do these things. But one of the things he told them is he said, go to someone's house. And if they receive you, eat whatever they put in front of you. Put your blessing of peace upon it. And if they have any sick, heal them. It's interesting. He didn't say that ask God to heal them. He said, if there are any sick, heal them. And the, the presumption being in his name. And so they all come back and they're super excited and, and saying, this is amazing, master, teacher. Even the demons were subject to us in your name. And what is Jesus' response to that? He said, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like, like lightning. And then he goes on to say, I've given you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Now, people have wondered for years what Jesus was referring to about seeing Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And I can't say for certain that I'm sure. Some people think that basically uh, what uh, Jesus is referring to is that in his pre-incarnate state, he was in eternity as the Son, the Logos, uh, in heaven and witnessed the casting out of, of Satan after his rebellion. 
And so that basically Jesus has a as a spiritual memory of having seen witnessed that event. And that could be that could be what he's talking about. But what I want to submit to you is that it's possible that there there was this there was this lightning fall in that from the, the very first time. Basically, Jesus, who'd already operated in authority over over demonic spirits, the first time a fallen son of Adam, Jesus wasn't a fallen son of Adam. He was a son of Adam, but he wasn't a fallen son of Adam. What if, if at the very first time in human history since Adam walked in the garden, a fallen human exercised legal authority over a demonic spirit, that that act in it in and of itself was part of this legal, judicial court ruling uh, in heaven that basically is, is this, this surrendering and this loss by the enemy of his legal rights and prerogatives on planet Earth. What if that was what Jesus was referring to? Because it was a most unusual thing for him to, to point to uh, in that particular moment. Just food for thought. And uh, we'll weigh that uh, hypothesis against some of the other scriptures we're about to see. Well, I think I've given you all you can handle for one outing. And the only thing left to do here is um, page three. Have you connected with me on social media yet? What, precisely, are you waiting for? You'll find links to all my brilliant social media manifestations and on my about page at davidaholland.com. That's it for this outing. Until next time, please remember, God is better than you think, and you're more loved than you know.